March 13th, the New Testament, Luke chapter 1, verses 1 through 25. Most Honorable Theophilus, many people have written accounts about the events that took place among us. They used as their source material the reports circulating among us from the early disciples and other eyewitnesses of what God has done in fulfillment of His promises. Having carefully investigated all these accounts from the beginning, I have decided to write a careful summary for you, to reassure you of the truth of all you were taught. It all begins with a Jewish priest, Zechariah, who lived when Herod was king of Judea. Zechariah was a member of the priestly order of Abijah. His wife Elizabeth was also from the priestly line of Aaron. Zechariah and Elizabeth were righteous in God's eyes, careful to obey all of the Lord's commandments and regulations. They had no children because Elizabeth was barren, and now they were both very old. One day Zechariah was serving God in the temple, for his order was on duty that week. As was the custom of the priests, he was chosen by lot to enter the sanctuary and burn incense in the Lord's presence. While the incense was being burned, a great crowd stood outside praying. Zechariah was in the sanctuary when an angel of the Lord appeared, standing to the right of the incense altar. Zechariah was overwhelmed with fear, but the angel said, Don't be afraid, Zechariah, for God has heard your prayer, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to name him John. You will have great joy and gladness, and many will rejoice with you at his birth, for he will be great in the eyes of the Lord. He must never touch wine or hard liquor, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before his birth, and he will persuade many Israelites to turn to the Lord their God. He will be a man with the spirit and power of Elijah, the prophet of old. He will precede the coming of the Lord preparing the people for his arrival. He will turn the hearts of the fathers to their children, and he will change disobedient minds to accept godly wisdom. Zechariah said to the angel, How can I know this will happen? I'm an old man now, and my wife is also well along in years. Then the angel said, I am Gabriel. I stand in the very presence of God. It was He who sent me to bring you this good news. And now, since you didn't believe what I said, you won't be able to speak until the child is born, for my words will certainly come true at the proper time. Meanwhile, the people were waiting for Zechariah to come out, wondering why he was taking so long. When he finally did come out, he couldn't speak to them. Then they realized from his gestures that he must have seen a vision in the temple sanctuary. He stayed at the temple until his term of service was over, and then he returned home. Soon afterward, his wife Elizabeth became pregnant and went into seclusion for five months. How kind the Lord is, she exclaimed. He has taken away my disgrace of having no children. joyful, heartfelt, hope-filled delight in the God of mercy is the essence of worship. It's not the totality of worship, but it is, it is the essence. And that's 
amazingly good news that he would say the aim of the gospel is that would happen among the Gentiles. That the Gentiles would glorify God for his mercy. And I've unpacked glorify in terms of joy and hope and praise and song and extol, just like Paul did. And the reason that's such amazing news is that we get the mercy, God gets the glory. We get the joy, God gets the praise. We get the hope, God gets the honor. Such a deal. This is the best of all possible worlds. That God would set up the universe in such a way that his praise and his glory and his honor would be a function of my joy and hope. Amazing. So, we are calling the nations to be glad. <laughs> let the nations be glad. And that's not the opposite of let the nations worship God. That's the essence of worshiping God. Which is why the gospel is called gospel. <laughs> Euangelion. Not whatever the opposite of you is in Greek. I don't know. You know? Okay. I should have looked that up. It's good news. It's good news. Because what I'm commanding you to do, namely lay down all your idolatry and false worships, is to find your ultimate satisfaction in a God who finds his glory in that satisfaction. Such a world have we been given. Step number three. The importance of seeing peoples and not just people. I'll go quick here because Zane hit this one well. So here we are, chapter 15, verses 9 through 12. It seems to me there's little doubt that the word Gentiles is sometimes used in the Apostle Paul to refer to individual non-Jews. They're not disputing that. I think you can find instances where Gentiles refers to individual non-Jews. Jews. <coughs> That's not what he's doing here. Here, verse 11 is the key. He quotes Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. Psalm 56, verses 1 through 13. David prayed this prayer while he was in danger in enemy country. After God delivered him, he wrote Psalm 34 as an expression of praise. When you're in the midst of trouble, remember these truths about God that you're about to hear about as we read. Number one, God sees where you are. David should not have been in Gath to begin with, but the Lord was gracious to go with him and help him. God understands your situation far better than you do. We'll also find out that God knows how you feel. He not only knows your tears, but He records them and retains them. Why? So that one day He may transform them into gems of joy and glory. You know, no tears are ever wasted when you follow the Lord. We'll also learn that God hears when you call. Terrors and tears must be handled with trust. But be sure your motive is not just deliverance. He delivers us that we might delight in Him and serve Him. The highest purpose of prayer 
is the glory of God. Psalm chapter 56, verses 1 through 13. For the choir director, a psalm of David, regarding the time the Philistines seized him in Gath, to be sung to the tune, Dove on Distant Oaks. O God, have mercy on me. The enemy troops press in on me. My foes attack me all day long. My slanderers hound me constantly, and many are boldly attacking me. But when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. O God, I praise your word. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? They are always twisting what I say. They spend their days plotting ways to harm me. They come together to spy on me, watching my every step, eager to kill me. Don't let them get away with their wickedness. In your anger, O God, throw them to the ground. You keep track of all my sorrows. You have collected all my tears in your bottle. You have recorded each one in your book. On the very day I call to you for help, my enemies will retreat. This I know. God is on my side. O oh God, I praise your word. Yes, Lord, I praise your word. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? I will fulfill my vows to you, O God, and offer a sacrifice of thanks for your help. For you have rescued me from death. You have kept my feet from slipping. So now I can walk in your presence, O God, in your life-giving light. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 8. God rescues the godly from danger, but he lets the wicked fall into trouble.